And let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through this part of the Bible. Our Father, we give you thanks for your words which have been committed to Scripture for us. And we pray, our gracious God, that you'd be our teacher this morning. We're so grateful to you for speaking to us. And we know that hearing is something else. And so we ask you, Lord, to enable us to do that well. Help us to open our hearts and our minds and our ears to the things that you want to say to us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you love your son and that you love the image of your son in us. And so we pray this morning, reproduce that image in us as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I wonder, are you a people pleaser? Any of you here people pleasers? Uh, what is a people pleaser? A people pleaser is someone who feels the need to please everybody. You need to please your boss and work. You need to please your spouse. You need to please your kids. You need to please your neighbors. You need to please every single person you meet. And you work so hard at doing this. You try your best to please everyone. Even if it makes you unhappy or even if it leads to health problems, you kill yourself trying to please everybody. What are some signs this morning that you're a people pleaser? Well, maybe you find it hard to say no to requests. Maybe you, you take on extra things even though you don't have the time or the energy to do them. Maybe you overcommit to things. You overcommit to plans or responsibilities or projects. You take on far too much stuff. Maybe you avoid advocating for your own needs by saying you're fine when you're really not. Maybe you avoid disagreeing with people or voicing your honest opinion because you don't want to cause any friction. Maybe you even go along with things that you're not very happy about because heaven forbid someone should be annoyed with you for not going along with something. Now, if you're a people pleaser here this morning, my guess is that, that you feel certain things. Maybe you feel always under pressure to be friendly, to be nice, to be kind, to be gentle. You just feel that pressure all the time to be this lovely, nice person. Maybe you feel anxious inside about creating any sort of unease in a conversation or unease about standing up for yourself. Maybe you feel completely stressed out by the amount of things that you've taken on yourself. Maybe you feel frustrated that you never have time for yourself. Maybe you feel that people take advantage of you sometimes. Maybe you feel completely and utterly exhausted. And what's really annoying if you're a people pleaser? What's really, really annoying is that no matter how hard you try, you just can't please everybody. No matter how hard you try, you find some people are simply impossible to please. I wonder this morning, can you relate? Are you a people pleaser? Well, I guess some of you are, or some of you are more tendence towards that, but my guess is that some of you are kind of on the other spectrum, the other side of things. Maybe this morning you are more of a self-pleaser. You always say no to requests because unless you're going to directly benefit from them, you don't really want to do them. Maybe you never take on extra things or extra responsibilities, even though you've got all the time in the world because let's face it, that's going to be hassle. Maybe you avoid committing to plans or avoid responsibilities or projects just in case a better offer comes up and you don't want to miss out on that. Maybe you're someone who's always advocating for your own needs. Maybe you're someone who's always talking about your own rights. Maybe you're in the person in the office who's always talking about yourself and what you deserve and what you need and what you should have. Maybe you couldn't care less about disagreeing with somebody else. 
you're not bothered about voicing your opinion. In fact, you quite like voicing your opinion because you know that you're right. Maybe you never go along with things unless they're exactly how you want them to be. It's either your way or the highway. And how do you feel if you're a self-pleaser, if life is all about pleasing yourself? Well, you feel under pressure to get what you want all the time. If you don't get what you want, you feel like you're losing. And you feel angry when you don't get your own way. You get cross with other people. You get cross that things aren't going your way. You feel a bit sad because if you're a self-pleaser, very often you don't really have close friends. Very often you don't really feel like you have people around you who love you. And what's really annoying and what's really baffling and what's really upsetting is that if you are a self-pleaser, you're never really very pleased with yourself. You always see where you fall short. You're never really happy, never really content. Now, I wonder this morning as you sit in the room and I've described the, the people pleaser on one end and, and the self pleaser on the other end, I wonder which one of the two you are. Or maybe you're a little bit like me. Maybe you're like a hybrid of the two. This kind of mix of both. Maybe you're like that this morning. But all of us, if we really examine our own hearts, we're a mix of these things. We're self-pleasers and we're people-pleasers. Well, this morning as we open up 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want you to do something. I want to encourage you to do something. And I want to encourage you this morning to bin being a people-pleaser, just to get rid of that, and to bin being a self-pleaser and instead focus on one thing alone, and that is being a God-pleaser. This morning I want to encourage you to have a different attitude towards your life. Stop trying to please everyone or stop trying to please yourself and instead live for an audience of one. I want you to leave these doors later and live in a new way, living to please the Lord. And as we begin to, to read chapter 4 of Thessalonians, we see three things from the first two verses and we're going to focus in on them this morning. And the first thing we see this morning is that our lives can please God. Have a look with me at the text of verse 1. Paul says, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are now living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. He says, Hey guys, do you remember whenever I was with you? And I was with you and I gave you instructions on how to please the Lord. Well, it's brilliant because you're doing it. I gave you these instructions on, on how you were to live in such a way that would please God. And well done, guys. You're doing it. You're pleasing the Lord. You're pleasing him with how you live. That's the, the sentiment that Paul gives to the Thessalonians as he writes to them in verses 1. And what we see here is that we can please God with our lives. We can please the Lord with how we live. Now, there's a slight problem with this language. Um, whenever you think of pleasing someone, you tend to think of a human, don't you? And one of the problems is that whenever we think of pleasing God, we can kind of imagine God being a big man in the sky. We can imagine God kind of sitting down as an old man and watching our lives and kind of either smiling when we're doing something that he likes or, or frowning when we do something he doesn't. This language of pleasing God, it can give us a very small view of God. 
We can almost imagine God in heaven kind of giving us the thumbs up if we do something he, he loves or the thumbs down if we don't. And so the problem with this language of pleasing God, one of the problems is it makes God very small. It makes him seem like a man who's kind of ups and downs depending on how we're performing in our lives. But what we have to recognize is this morning is that, that this type of language, this language of pleasing God, it's something called anthropopathism. Anthropopathism, I can't even say it. But if you look it up, basically, it's, it's language that's only ascribed to it's, it's human feelings being ascribed to something that doesn't have human feelings. So if you think of your dog, okay, and your wee dog comes in all running up to you, you say, oh, my dog is really happy today. Like, your dog's not happy. That's a human emotion. Your dog isn't really feeling human happiness, but it's a way that we can kind of explain how the dog feels. And this is the same with Paul here. Whenever he says that God is pleased and can be pleased with us, it's not that he's up in heaven kind of giving us the thumbs up or thumbs down or smiling or frowning. God is completely content and happy in himself all of the time. He doesn't change. But the Lord through human language is letting us know that we can live in a way that, that he approves of. That if he was human, he would smile about that. If he was human, he would encourage and cheer us on in. And so although God is impassable, although he doesn't change, although he's completely content and happy in and of himself, Paul says here that we can please God and we should think of our lives as being able to do so. Our lives can please God. Our lives can bring God pleasure. God is beyond our understanding. I love what the Westminster Confession says. There is but one only living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will. So God is massive, and he's glorious, and he's wonderful, and he's not a man with a beard sitting upstairs looking at our lives, kind of ticking us or axing us. But yet Paul says at the same time, our lives can please him. And that's how we need to think of our lives. Our lives can please God. Now the second thing we need to know is that we can know what pleases God. We can know the things that please him. Sometimes people think of God and they think of him as kind of this big, mysterious, almighty, enormous being, which he is. And we kind of think, well, how are we ever meant to know? How are we ever meant to know what pleases him? How are we meant to know how to live his way? How are we meant to know how to live lives to please this amazing big God? Well, the amazing thing is that God lets us know. And he lets us know through the Bible. He lets us know through his word. Again, if you have a look um, at verse 2 again, it says, For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of Jesus. So Paul says, listen, Thessalonians, whenever I was with you, I gave you instructions on how to live in a way that pleases God. But these instructions, they weren't man-made instructions. They weren't instructions that came from a human. They weren't man-made ideas. They were instructions that came from the Lord. They were instructions that if we look in the Bible, we will find. If you were a young Jewish boy or girl growing up, 
your parents would have drilled into you something called the halakha. Doesn't that sound good? Halakha. Sounds great, doesn't it? And the halakha basically were rules that were written by rabbis about how you were to behave. The halakha was the way to behave. The halakha was the, the rules for life. The halakha were the instructions, the man-made instructions as to how to please God. And if you were to go to Israel today, you will find people living according to halakha, to rules written by rabbis. I went to Israel a few years ago and I was amazed that I couldn't have meat and milk at the same meal. You know, it was weird. And, and that came from a Bible verse, you know, you shall not boil a mother's milk, a, a, a goat in its mother's milk. And it was this man-made rule, but that was the way, that was the halakha. This is part of how we live. Lots of man-made rules. But Paul, when he came to the Thessalonians, says, I will teach you how to live in a way that pleases God, and I'm not giving you man-made rules. I'm letting you know what God's heart is for you. With the authority of Jesus, with his authority, I will instruct you on how to live in a way that pleases God. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, it is not man's business to determine what pleases God, it is the business of God alone. And what's wonderful is that we can know how to please God. And all you need to do is, is look through the Bible. Let me read out some things. And, and these will not be surprises to you. These are things found in Scripture that you know please God. It pleases God when we love Him. When we love Him with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, that pleases the Lord. It pleases God when we obey Him. When we say, God, you, your way is good and, and I long to obey you and I'm going to obey you, that pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord when we trust him. When we're going through something difficult and we say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in the middle of this. I'm not going to be frightened and I'm not going to be dismayed because I know you're with me. It pleases him when we trust him. It pleases him when we do justice, when we love mercy, when we walk humbly before God. It pleases God when we serve other people in love. It pleases the Lord when we give to the poor and help the needy. It, it pleases God when we seek the peace in society and in relationships. It pleases God when we thank him and give him our praise. It pleases God when we love our neighbor as ourselves. It pleases the Lord when we care for widows and orphans and foreigners. It pleases the Lord when we're honest and truthful and speak the truth in love. It pleases the Lord when we're slow to anger and, and quick to forgive. It, it pleases the Lord when we're self-controlled. It pleases the Lord when we encourage people and build them up. It pleases the Lord when we turn away from sin. It pleases the Lord when we pray and seek his will. And we could go on and 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 on. Because the Bible, through the Bible, God reveals how we please him. And we know how to please him. It's all in his word. And what's wonderful about the pursuit of pleasing God is that it's something that is a lifelong thing. It's something that we can grow in and grow in and grow in and keep growing in. This idea of pleasing God, it's not just a one-time thing. You can't tick all these things off the box at once. It's something we grow and grow and grow more in in the Christian life. And that's the third thing we see in these verses. We can please God more and more. You see it in the text there, don't you? Have again, look at the text. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you're on our living. So listen, we gave you instructions on how to please God and we're so encouraged that you're going for it. 
We're so encouraged that you're living your life to please God. But then what does he say? Now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Keep going. Don't stop. Live to please the Lord in every area of your life. Live for his smile. Live for his approval. Live to please him in every area of life. John Stott is a, a minister who was at All Souls in Langham Place and he, he died a number of years ago and he writes just wonderful books on the Christian life. And he says this, and I just thought this encapsulated this so well. He says, if our goal is to be perfectly pleasing to God, we shall never be able to claim that we've arrived. If our aim is to perfectly please God, we'll never be able to say we've arrived. It's a lifelong thing, something we can pursue for all of our days. Now this morning, all of us here, we, we vary is that we're not really pleasing the Lord in, don't we? I mean, if we were to look at our lives in the past week, there's areas that we're doing well at pleasing the Lord in and, and we know we're pleasing him. And then there's areas where we know we're not and we'd like to change. There's areas that, that we're not pleasing the Lord very well in. And for the Thessalonians, the area that they were not pleasing the Lord very well in, or one area, was in the area of sexual sin. The Thessalonians, what they were doing with their bodies, they were just doing what everyone else in their society was doing. They were engaging in sexual immorality. And again, you can see that through verses three to six. You see it in the text there. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, verse three, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. And so the Thessalonians, one area of their life that they weren't pleasing the Lord in was in this area. And it was hard to please the Lord in this area for them because all of society basically said there's no such thing as sexual immorality. Uh, there was a man called Cicero. He was the Roman statesman. He was a lawyer, a scholar, and a philosopher. And he died uh, in, in 43 BC, so 43 years before Christ. Let me read just two of the things that he says recognizing that this is just how the culture was. He says, let not pleasure always be forbidden. Let desire and pleasure triumph sometimes over reason. In other words, even if you're thinking you maybe shouldn't do this, if it's pleasurable, just crack on. Let pleasure triumph over reason. And then he says this, if anyone thinks that young men should be forbidden to have affairs, even with prostitutes, he is very strict indeed. For his view is contradictory not only to the law of the present age, but even the habits of our ancestors. And with that, they used to consider allowable. In the society that these Thessalonians were living in, sexual immorality was normal. But Paul says, and listen, guys, to please the Lord, avoid it. Turn away from it. Don't go down there. This doesn't please the Lord at all. This is an area you need to repent in. I think there's an important lesson in this for us. And is that sometimes pleasing the Lord is not always pleasing to society. And sometimes what is pleasing and okay in society doesn't please the Lord. I just need to put that out there because there's times, folks, whenever we're going to live to please the Lord and it's going to rub against society. It's going to go against the flow. We're going to look different. We're going to be different. We're going to look strange. But I want to encourage you this morning, don't make pleasing society your aim. Make pleasing the Lord your aim. And what's wonderful, folks, is that whenever we please the Lord, and I certainly have found this, 
Whenever we please the Lord, when we make it our aim, when we know we're pleasing him, we become much more pleased with ourselves. We become much happier in ourselves, don't we? Because we know that we're pleasing him. Now this morning, I just want to ask you a very kind of searching question, and it's this, what area of life do you need to, to repent? What area of your life right now you know isn't really pleasing the Lord and, and you need to, to start to change how you live in it? For the Thessalonians, it was sexual immorality. Can I ask this morning, what is it for you? What area of life has the Holy Spirit put his finger upon and said, you're not pleasing the Lord here? You're not pleasing the Lord here and I want you to. What area of life is that for you? Maybe to help you understand it, I, I want you to think of your life being like a mansion, okay? So a mansion, it's this house, and it's got all different rooms. And so one of the rooms in the mansion, it's a room that many of us have, it's the living room. It's the place where you spend time with your family. Let me ask you this morning, how can you please God more and more in your family? Is there anything within your family life that you know is not pleasing to the Lord just now? What might you do to please him in that area? Okay, we'll move over to the living room and we'll go to the home office. It became very popular during COVID. I'm sure a number of you have home offices or maybe you've just got like a wardrobe with a desk in it, but we'll call that a home office. So we move into the home office and the home office is the place that we do our job. The home office represents our work life. The home office represents our relationship with our colleagues and our relationship with our boss, and it represents how we do our job. Is there anything in your work life that isn't pleasing to the Lord? Is there anything in your work life that you could do to please him? Okay, now I have said this is a mansion, so we're going to move into a room that I don't think any of you have, and if any of you do, I'd love an invite to your house sometime. We're going to move into the games room, okay? We're going to move into the games room. So you move into the games room and there's pinball machines and there's a pool table and there's a dartboard. As I said, invite me around if you've got one. So you go in there and this is the place that you relax. This is the place where you invite your friends. This is the place where you socialize. This is the place where you have the girls around or the boys around. This is the place where you have fun with your friends. And the games room, it represents your social life. It represents your life with your friends. It represents those places where you have fun. It represents the places where you play sport or you socialize. Is there anything in your social life that you know doesn't please the Lord? Are there any things in your social life you know you could do in order to please him? Next, we'll move into the bedroom. Sounds dodgy, doesn't it? Oh dear. So the bedroom does, it represents our marriage. It represents our marriage life. It represents the relationship between husband and between wife. And again, let me ask you about your marriage. Are there any things in your marriage just now that you know are not pleasing to the Lord? Are there ways you speak to each other that you know are not pleasing to the Lord? Are there ways you react to each other that you know aren't pleasing to the Lord? Are there things you know you need to do to please the Lord in your marriage? Well, if so, I want to encourage you to go and to work on that. Let's go into the last room. And I think you will all have a room like this. You know the cupboard where you shove everything out of sight? Got one of those rooms? That, that, that door that if you open, everything's going to spill out. So if someone's coming around, you need to do the panic tidy. So you open this, this wee cupboard and you just shove everything in. And everything's tidy and you close it. You got one of those? In there's the stuff that you don't want anyone to see, Yeah? 
And in our lives, that stuff's up here, isn't it? Our thought life, our thoughts, the things that no one else sees. Are there things that happen up here that you would just don't want anyone to see? Are there things that happen up here that you know aren't pleasing to the Lord? Are there things that you dwell upon and dwell upon and think about and think about they're all consuming and they're not healthy or pleasing to the Lord? I want to encourage you this morning to open that cupboard, get the stuff out, and fill it with something better. Fill it with things that please the Lord. Folks, we're hardwired in two ways. We're hardwired to please ourselves. We're hardwired to please other people. But thanks be to God, as it says in verse 8, the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit transforms us and gives us a heart that wants to please the Lord. And this morning, if you're a Christian, I know that there's part of you wants to please the Lord. It's in there. If I was to analyze your desires and, and I was to analyze your heart, maybe when you came in this morning, you'd say, listen, 50% of me wants to please myself. 40% of me wants to please others. And only 10% of me wants to please the Lord. That's, that's okay. There's part of you in there that wants to please the Lord. But what I want to encourage you to do is to let that just take over. Let that be your greatest desire. Let that be your only desire to live in a way that pleases the Lord. And this morning, if you're here and there's 0% in your heart, this morning, if you're here and there is not even 1% of your heart that wants to please the Lord, this might be an indicator that you're not yet one of God's children. You see, children want to please their father. Children want to please their mother. Children want to please their parents. There's, there's part of it in them. <laughs> Maybe not enough if you're a mom and dad, but there's part of it. And this morning, if you're here and there's none, no desire to please the Lord, no desire to please him at all, then maybe you're not yet a child of God. Well, this morning you can be. This morning you can become a child of God. And that's by trusting in Jesus. By trusting in the one who's only pleased the Lord perfectly, the Lord Jesus, who lived a perfect life on your behalf, who died a death that if you trust him will, will bear the wrath of God that you deserve, who will forgive you for all of your sin, who will bring you into the family of God and give you a new heart. This morning, if there's 0% of you who wants to please the Lord, the Lord will bring you into his family if you trust him. And he'll give you maybe just a little desire but he'll give you some desire that will grow and grow and grow. There was a boy and he was out with his friends and uh, there was a, a derelict building and the boys were bending down and getting stones and, and smashing the windows. And they said to the boy, listen, get a stone there and smash the window. And the boy said, no, no, I'm not going to do that said, go on, get a stone, throw it through that window there. No one's touched that one. And the boy said, no, I'm not doing it. And they said, we know what you are. You're frightened. You're frightened about what your dad will do to you. And the boy turned and he said, no, he says, that's not it. I'm not frightened by what my dad will do to me, but I'm frightened by what this might do to my dad. 
Do you see the difference? When we're a child of God, our desire is to please him and not to displease him. So pray and ask the Lord for help to do this well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning that you're pleased with us in Christ. That in your sight, we have a perfect record because we have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Lord, thank you that gives us the confidence and the assurance to draw near to you, to worship you, to walk with you. But Lord, we want to please you more and more. We want all of life to be pleasing to you, our Father who loves us. So Lord, would you give us this desire in our hearts and would you fill us with your Holy Spirit to enable us to do this well? And Father, I pray for us that if you've put your finger on something in our lives, that in that area, we would aim to please you more and more and more. Oh Lord, may we be a people who live for you and please you in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.